Hi, this is Eugene Ballet at the Bar, a podcast made by the dancers of Eugene Ballet in order to amplify artists' voices in our community and beyond. We will be speaking with and hosting discussions with members of our own organization, local artists, and members of the arts community of Oregon. We hope our voices add perspective to the ongoing conversations around arts and culture happening in these unprecedented times. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eugene Ballet at the Bar. In this episode, Will and I sit down with Josh Nichols to discuss his career as a stage manager and executive director, as well as the impact Eugene Ballet has on its community and vice versa. We hope you'll enjoy this episode, and with that in mind, let's meet Josh Nichols, executive director of Eugene Ballet. All right. Hi, welcome to Eugene Ballet at the Bar. Alessandro and I are here today with Josh Nichols, our executive director, the uh, boss man. He writes the checks. Um, he's had many roles here at Eugene Ballet, um, and I'll let him explain more about that because I honestly don't know that much about it, but I'm excited to learn. Um, so, Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you both for having me in today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think piggybacking on what Will was saying, could you kind of give us a, a brief little overview slash description of what your job description entails maybe and what the workings are? <laughs> well, uh, my current job at Eugene Ballet is that of executive director, as you said. Uh, that has come uh, over many years. I've been with the company since 96. I started as a stage manager for Nutcracker. And then every year after that, we kept adding a bit more to my job description uh, over the years. I've worked for other companies in town, but ultimately since, uh, I guess this is the fourth season that I've been executive director. Um, the company's only, or company's second executive director as it is. So mm-hmm. Riley, the co-founder, was was the general manager and uh, managing director up until me. So. Cool, well I definitely wanna to touch on the transition between working backstage to in the offices here. Um, but before we do that, I want to know what was your introduction to the arts growing up? Like, how did you get involved? Were you ever on stage before, or did you start sure. with backstage? Well, uh, my introduction to the arts probably started in fourth grade. I did. Uh, I played in the band. I was. I played clarinet. I played nice. clarinet in all school bands through uh, my first couple of years of college. Uh, beyond band uh, and clarinet. Uh, My leap to the theater happened my freshman year in high school when we were supposed, I was supposed to be going to tryouts for the basketball team. Uh, Got sick during those tryouts, Mm -hmm. uh, not at the tryouts, but so I couldn't go and instead uh, ended up working in our theater at the high school. The English teacher that we had at the time was also the theater teacher and uh, she somewhat convinced me to give it a try since I couldn't do basketball. And <laughs> I don't play basketball, but now I've been in theater ever since. So that's that's how I got my start in the arts. Wow. Did you continue with that in college afterwards as well as playing? playing I, did, I did do a little bit of theater in college, uh, but not so much. I changed my college career extended over many years. Uh, Part of it had to do with uh, getting a job here at the ballet and trying to manage tour schedules with school schedules became a challenge. And then uh, a family came in, so kids kind of took precedence. 
So then I started taking classes uh, in the ballet's off season. So it stretched out my college career a bit and ended up losing all the electives and focusing on the psychology degree and, and completing that. So. Oh, wow. Wow. And you did that through University of Oregon? Here? I did. I'm a University right. of Oregon alumni. Nice. Nice. So when you were working with the ballet, did you, and taking classes, did you kind of have it in mind that you wanted to continue with the ballet after getting your degree? The goal was, uh, the, the goal with school was to always say I did it, I completed it, that was there, so that uh, if the arts industry ever went away or I found that I couldn't, perhaps there'd be something else to lean back on a university degree. The university degree doesn't do me a hill of beans when it comes to working <laughs> in the arts organizations. <laughs> Uh, especially with that degree. It's not like right. I was getting an arts admin degree or uh, an education degree. So really that for me, it was a pathway through. I like working with people. And so understanding psychology and communication, um, there's much to do with statistics in there. I did enjoy understanding how to interpret data and, mm -hmm. and bringing that into this industry, into my role here. Uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. It plays, it, it helps me out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so you got involved, obviously, with a lot of different arts organizations in Eugene as far as managing backstage. When did that start? Like working with The Shed and... Well, I started, like I said, I started uh, stage managing for the ballet in 96, uh, and that continued to grow and doing more. Uh, I then got invited to participate with the Willamette Repertory Theater, which is a rep company that did theater here in town. I stage managed for them for a couple of seasons. Uh, and through that connection, uh, I got invited to stage manage for the Shed Institute when they were doing their summer musicals. And you know, each one of these things have their own nuances. So with you know, the ballet, I was able to tour throughout the Northwest, or basically the West, and learn what it takes to put a show on in different venues, uh, different situations. Then, you know, moving into one repertory theater, really working with a director on how you shape a performance and how mm -hmm. you bring that theatricality to life on the stage. Although that's embedded in ballet as well, the separation between the stage manager and the choreographer is far, far more distant than that mm -hmm. of a stage manager and a theatrical director. And so with Willamette Rep, I was, I, was, I was in on the nuts and bolts of all the directing, of all of the, the nuances within the scope of the play. With The Shed, moving in and doing their musicals, that's where the production management elements started coming in. As those productions became more enhanced, and there were, there, now there's orchestras involved, and, and, and musicals, and choreography, and acting, so you're kind of putting everything together. Well, then my stage management hat began to get bigger with the production qualities and the production management of overseeing scenic design and costume design, uh, at least functioning those people and making sure that everything's coming to that end result, which is the production on the stage. So with each opportunity, there were more enhancements to the role. So with each one gave new skill sets as each industry plays to stronger, stronger things. Beyond those three entities, you know, I have stage managed for the Eugene Concert Choir, uh, the Oregon Bach Festival, Eugene Opera. Each one of those brought different levels of artists into the room, mm -hmm. and so you're, you're playing with people that may be nationally known versus community players. 
Um, you know, directors are along the same way. We got to work with different choreographers, different stage directors for the opera and for the theater. And then, um, and then you get back into the venues, you know, and each one approaches their venues differently, whether that's the Bach Festival playing at the Bell Concert Hall or the ballet playing venues throughout the Northwest or trying to stage shed musicals at either the Jaqua Concert Hall or the Silva Concert Hall. And then all of that, you know, really the nuts and bolts are you're learning to work with different kinds of people all along the way. And, and the more you immerse yourself into those different qualities, the more you're able to relate to them at a management level. At wow. least that's how I've always seen it. Wow, what an incredible <laughs> wealth of knowledge you've gained, especially in this community of working with like every single one of the it's, possible organizations. It's, you it's been good to, to have it. And, and the nice thing is so many of those people are in this small community work alongside mm -hmm. those other organizations even. So if I'm working with the Bach Festival, many of those artists are working with the symphony or working right. with the opera. And so you end up carrying a group of people around that you get to know, and I, you know you get to know musicians that work at both the Symphony, the Shed, and the Bach Festival. You get to you get to know directors that have been along both, or and then you get into technicians, which is a completely different world of the craftspersons, the stagehands, the the designers that come in uh, and finish the project, round it out so it's ready for an audience wow. to see. And so there's like a real sense of community then between. There Those is, working backstage, regardless of the venue or the production. I think if you get into any community, the art scene, you know, there is some interweaving going along, and and that that's not just necessarily performing arts, but I mean, when you get into, uh, you know, fine arts around or painters, ballet's been great about working with authors and different artists and in different mediums, and uh, and so I think that you do find that this world expands beyond your one little niche ballet or theater. And there's so many times that we have uh, breached those walls, if you will, and, and created collaborative energies that yeah. create something new. Sounds like those interweavings really strengthen the individual organizations and productions. Absolutely. Uh, not only does it provide the organization a try, time to try something new, in each one of those you are potentially introducing yourself to a new audience. Mm -hmm. And so if we're doing a collaborative project with the Bach Festival, now I have all of these people who come from throughout the world to watch the Bach Festival, they get to see Eugene Ballet perform alongside the Bach Festival. So now all the people leave Eugene and or stay in Eugene, depending on where they're from, mm -hmm. and have a broader sense of what this community has to offer the world. And that's, that's a key point that uh, many people miss when we do these collaborative yeah. things. That's really cool, and I guess you can also, because you're exposed to so many more different people, different technicians and workers, you find people with different expertise that you can call on in the future. Certainly, yeah, we, uh, Eugene is rich in its craftspersons and, mm -hmm. and the people that can develop, uh, whether that's uh, costumes, whether it's masks, whether it's lighting designs, uh, scenic elements, uh, artists who we've used their projections. Mm -hmm. uh, if we couldn't draft it into a solid state scenery, we've found ways of, of enhancing our stage with their art. You, you bring all of these people in, and that's, and that's just the visual arts. Then you have the authors who create these stories. Uh, we've done works by Ken Kesey. We've done works by Mark Twain. I mean, you have different things where you can find the foundation 
for another piece of work and to be able to do that with people in the community is a remarkable thing. Wow, wow. Um, I don't want to circle back too far, but you had mentioned how uh, in ballet you have a little bit of, there's less coordination between the stage manager and the director during the uh, creative process. Right. What are the other um, differences between being a stage manager specifically for a ballet production versus you know, a Shakespeare five act? Sure. The, the biggest difference between working with uh, dancers, working with actors and musicians, dancers take care of themselves. Um, when it comes to time, dancers know when their entrances are, and they know where their exits are. You don't, you don't have to call dancers to the stage right before their entrance. They are there. They're ready to go. Um, it's just inherent in the industry that you don't have to do that. Uh, different industries uh, treat that differently. So in opera, you call your artist to the stage before their scene's about to start. Uh, in theater, you may treat that a little differently. But... It really is the, the thing that's most admirable that I have found in working with the ballet is that it, the dancers are always taking care of themselves. Most of the time you guys are doing your own makeup. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not because of a lack of it, but it's just because of the, of the need of the industry. You guys treat it differently. Um, we still have costumers. We still have makeup artists. We do, I mean, we do all of those things, but uh, of all of them, in a theatrical sense, the ones that I find to be the most self-maintained are, are the dancers. And, and that's, it's, a, it's a quality that I've always liked being around. Um, the, there are other elements, too. The, the creative things, uh, one of the nice things about the ballet is we get to work with actors from time to time. And to be able to bring that spontaneity, that, um, uh, that energy that they also bring to the stage that's not always so choreographed. Theater, they're blocked, their spacing is there, but they're, in a lot of times, working independently of the group, mm -hmm. responding to the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. Dancers don't have the luxury to work independently from the core outside of choreography. You know, mm -hmm. so um, actors get staged in a certain way, but they may approach that movement differently every from night to night. Right. Yeah, I'd imagine um, the timing is far more set with ballet. Timing is far <laughs> more set with ballet, mm -hmm. uh, where for a theatrical uh, play, it is not as, you'll find that some monologues go long, mm -hmm. some go short, you know, lines get skipped. We don't typically skip eight bars of music, but an actor <laughs> might skip five lines in the script and you're like, oh, catch you up, you know, so it's, wow. so there's a little bit of uh, play with that. Um, and so those, those differences make each one a unique experience and one that makes it for a nice blend when we're able to bring more wow. of it into the community and see it more. That's really cool, I think, for us to hear, because we've had a few different stage managers in the time we've been here, and some of them seem to truly be terrified that we're not going to make it to our marks on time, <laughs> or that we're not set, our props aren't there, and now it makes a little bit more sense, because it's always just been a given that you take care of it. And, you, and well, I guess it's from a young age, I think, that we learn that, because we start performing when we're like seven or eight, yeah. and mm -hmm. you just kind of learn to do it. Well, even in the, in the world of stage management, uh, you're going to find stage managers that approach the job differently than others. And I have always been one that uh, was a little more reliant on the people around them, uh, not as much of a uh, controlling entity uh, mm -hmm. as it was more of a guide to try to make sure everything was going. I think I've always akin to an air traffic controller. 
you know, you, you see everything that's supposed to happen. All you're trying to do is make sure they all land at the right time. <laughs> and, and, and it's not some. I'm not piloting the planes. I'm just trying to see, no, this is your safe spot. You can land here. Let's, let's get on with this. You know, same thing with the dancers. Yep, come on in. Do your piece. Now let's get you out. Let's get the lights changed. Let's do the next thing. Try not to get hit with the scenery. So it's, uh, it's just a little, it's a little different. Um, and I have worked with stage managers that don't approach it that way. And it's more of if it starts to go awry, they have a really hard time coming back. And, and it's, it can be a very stressful position for people. And I've never, never approached it that way. Well, it sounds like that mentality and your ability to do that would definitely help with something like Nutcracker Tour, where every venue is different and you really do have to kind of think on the fly quite a bit. Well, we do. Uh, as technicians out on the road, when we've done Nutcracker tours or any tours, yes, uh, the venues that we play uh, for Eugene Ballet, as you guys know, vary in size from very small to very large. Mm -hmm. um, we don't we don't play the whole center all over, uh, <laughs> and we adapt. And so that goes from all the way from we adapt our costumes, we adapt our scenic elements, we adapt absolutely our lighting, and as you guys well know. We adapt our staging, uh, and you don't move nearly as far, or maybe there's not many, as many dancers on the stage at the same time. But that is one of the qualities that has made touring possible for Eugene Valley is that that adaptability, the ability to see that uh, we can we can finesse the show mm -hmm. and still put a production on for that community. Mm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I th I feel like touring is such a important part of what we do. Um, I know every November, December, everyone's excited for tour and uh, all of the Nutcracker shows to come. Uh, not only is it a massive logistical feat, but also um, we reach thousands of people every year throughout that tour and share our art and our community and where we come from with them. And I think that's so special. Um, and I'm just wondering, I guess out of my own curiosity, just how has that evolved or changed or grown over the years? Have you, have you noticed over your tenure, um, you know, with Eugene Ballet, that that sense of community that is in Eugene stretches far to the communities we go to? Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, some of the things that we've noticed over the years is, of course, we, we do go to many of the same venues every year. Um, and, and when you bring up Nutcracker, uh, of course we tour more than that, but uh, as a, a basis, every year we, we, we may go to these communities. And for some of them, we've been going to these communities for over 30 years. Oh. And, and when you go that long, you end up seeing the kids develop. Because uh, as you guys know, when we go out on Nutcracker, we use up to 50 kids, mm -hmm. local kids, in each one of these towns. And that provides an opportunity for those local students to work alongside our professional company. Well, that's an inspiration to them. And for many of those kids, they'll start at, you know, at a very young age being a baby mouse. Mm -hmm. And then the next year we show up and all of a sudden they're an angel. And then the next mm -hmm. year we're, they're a bonbon. And so every year that we show up, it's a marker in their life of how they've progressed in their art form, mm -hmm. as well as within their friendships and, and in their families. And so as we go through, we watch these kids develop all the way up to where they get to do Waltz of the Flowers in their final year at their academy and showcase, and they've got their family in the audience and their community support behind them. And although the community is there to see us and to support them, it's that, it's that whole package that they all come together and they get to do that. Those communities count on that. 
many of them don't put on their own nutcrackers. They count on this opportunity as a way to, to bring people into a theater at a happy holiday time. And, and when, we, when we go, we establish these relationships with the local schools, the local venues, and it is something that is unique. We're one of the only companies who can be flexible enough to play many of the rural communities we play. And so for some of them, this is the only professional ballet that will come into town, or can, because we can adapt our size, we can adapt our productions. And we have created those connections with the local schools and the local venues, so much so that in the off season, some of those local schools or local venues call upon our dancers to come out and do guestings, or will you come teach for our academy for two weeks, or, you know, with which not only then extends Eugene Ballet out in the world, but then provides opportunities for our dancers to get additional work beyond the scope of our season. So those have been uh, some key parts. Some of it is about programming, about uh, what we offer on the road. Uh, we do uh, many of the classics, but then we also mix in new things. I mean, whether it's Cinderella or Nutcracker or Sleeping Beauty, or it's at the Swing Kings, which we took on tour, or Alice in Wonderland, which we took on tour for years uh, and, and put it on and put it on because people wanted to see, wanted to hear the swing music and see our dancers perform to that. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's looking at the programming, it's seeing what's adaptable, what do these communities want, and then what can we afford to go out and do. And really it's that last part that's being, is the one that's become the hardest is that as our costs to travel, to house, to bus, to um, get crews out there, get dancers out there, go up, the, the resources within those communities aren't going up at the same rate. And so we used to get support from you know, the NEA for touring and that, that support's still there, but percentage-wise it continues to decrease. Um, those communities used to get more corporate support, but as different uh, movements happen within a community, those corporate dollars come down. So it, it's, a, it's a greater challenge to do those smaller tours, but it is something that we have found to be important in our mission to be able to increase access to the arts. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just listening to you say all of that, it gives me a sense of how deep it runs. I know I've only been here for almost three years now in the company, um, but listening to that really took me into a place where I could imagine the community around Eugene Ballet coming yeah. to this town and you know this child gets to perform and you get to come back of course to watch them but every year Eugene Ballet is there and it's a constant inspiration to be in those communities and those kids lives and I think that's incredible so well and we and we see the improvements within the communities as well and it's specific to the venues because we as you know we don't have a whole lot of free time to go out in the communities when we're in these towns mm -hmm. but if you use the venue as a marker we get to watch the, the money that the community puts into the venues every year by the upgrades to the systems, by uh, new curtains, new lighting that go in. Some of them have done complete remodels in our time of being there. And to be able to see those communities support the arts and us being able to see it in snapshots every year of how does that growth happen, well, that's a remarkable thing as well. And this year being the first, one of the first years that we've ever not done a Nutcracker tour, the response from those communities about their understanding about not being able to bring us, or in our case, not being able to come, whichever that one is, mm -hmm. it, it is, 
it is always focused around the community. It's not, it's not about the ballet not being able to be there or the students not being able to be there. It's about the entire package of how the community benefits from having an organization like ours come in and utilize the kids and, and incorporate the venue and use the community to put these shows on. And, uh, and this year is, uh, is quite a change to that. And, and, it's, and it's felt Northwest-wide as, as our tour goes. Absolutely. Oh, that's so unfortunate to hear. I mean, such an effect on these communities. It's just so unfortunate that we're not able to do it this year. I just, I, I wish there was yeah, something really, that could be done. <laughs> I really feel for all of those communities, especially the kids that would be in the show, because it really hit home when you were talking about um, seeing the, the growth and those steps that the children take each year. Because, I mean, I think, Alessandro, you're probably in a similar situation, but, like, we grew up doing Nutcracker with our studios for you and then Tulsa and for me in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where like every year you get to that new role or that new position and it's like, it's a milestone. Right? Mm -hmm. And especially when you're young, it's such a huge deal and that's how you kind of track your progress through the years. And it's so awesome that Eugene Ballet provides that for like, like 20 or 30 schools throughout mm -hmm. the country. That's incredible. Yeah. I've really never viewed it that way, but the way you talk about it really kind of, it does, it strikes home, it's really incredible. Good. Yeah, and I, I just, not to get all negative, but um, we, we are in the real world and there is something going on. Um, and I just kind of wanted to, to see, you know, we're talking about it. The COVID-19 pandemic is ongoing and Absolutely. we are feeling the effects such as limited or canceled tourings and productions. Right. Um, this is a really hard time for arts organizations. I'm sure you know better than anyone. I mean, you're facing it head on. Yeah. What does that look like for you and for our community and our organization? Well, I, I've used the analogy a lot with other conversations, but we're kind of all at a point where we're out there treading water. Mm -hmm. You know, where the, the pandemic is here mm -hmm. and we're doing our best not to drown. Mm -hmm. So keep the arms and legs moving, trying to get closer to shore and not too far out to sea. And with every news break or with every uh, government mandate or... Uh, adapt to information, we're always trying to look at, well, what's that strategy that gets us there? Uh, Eugene Ballet is, you know, and our artistic staff, our administrative staff, we've spent this entire process trying not to look back uh, and, and look at it as this dire, woe is me moment, but more of looking at, okay, so what potentials do we have ahead? Um, yes, there's negatives. We, we have had to reshape our season as we had envisioned it. Yes, we're not gonna be able to do Nutcracker Tour this year. Those are knowns, but it's the unknowns. It's, the, it's being able to look at what are the resources we do have and how can we get back into the community and how quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the reasons why we reached out to you as dancers so early in this process to say, okay, we know we wanna come back. We know you want to come back. So what are those ways in which we can safely get people back in the studio? And what's that timeline look like so that when society is ready to have us back in front of them, in the same airspace as them, are we going to be ready to do that? And, and I think that with our conversations uh, between administration and the dancers, uh, with my conversations between our artistic staff, and our technicians is to say, we are, we are in the best place possible to be ready to spring on an opportunity should it come up. And in the meantime, 
here's some goals that we have. Yes, we are still planning to do Nutcracker. Yes, we are doing 10 performances instead of four because the capacity numbers are lower. Yes, that is the plan that we have in place today. Yes, that could change again if society is not ready for it. And, but we have set up these goals. Um, we, don't, we don't have the idea of shutting down for a full season. Um, there may be some financial benefits to doing that, but ultimately, when we look at how do you respond to this, we want to respond in a positive way that takes into account the health and well-being of all the people in the organization in our community. And if that means that we find small things to do with our artists and our resources so that they can maintain their art form, well, that's important. Uh, the 18th month factor, as I've brought up before, is something we're direly concerned about, is the idea that if we shut down and potentially not have a performance from, for 18 whole months from February through the next year, that's 18 months where our artists, our athletes, aren't using their bodies and their artistic talents to their fullest extent. So when that 18 months comes and we come back, uh, how long is it going to take to regain that where you guys left? You guys were at this point in your careers and, and ready to move forward and keep advancing in your skills, your techniques, and your uh, physiques, all of that stuff. And, and to put it on hold for 18 months, well, that, that's something that we're, we're very concerned about. And so we're looking at different ways of saying, okay, how do we make sure that we can at least try to do Nutcracker? Let's try to get Cinderella out. Let's give our choreographers still a chance to create something new on this season so that their gifts and their talents are still put into play. And, uh, and I think we've come up with a good way to do that provided society can catch up with us. And we keep pushing it off as far as we can. And that's why, you know, Nutcracker's not till the weekend before Christmas, because mm -hmm. that gives us as much time as possible for our community to become comfortable and able to attend a performance. Right. And not only, I mean, obviously, it's incredibly important for us to stay involved in our art form and be able to, to take class and practice and create things and, and just work. Um, but I have to imagine that keeping some kind of presence in the community as well um, is going to be really important moving forward because like, if our audience doesn't see us for 18 months, like, does that support stay? Um, can we count on, I'm mean, sure we can't count on a lot of our support to come back quickly because we've always been here and it's a huge staple in the community. Um, but I have to imagine that maintaining some presence is really important right now throughout this period. It is. I think that the the idea of presence and relevance have been talked about within the industry, within all of the performing arts industries for the last six months now. How, how important is it to maintain a presence? And then what is the relevance of that presence? And does an online uh, presentation of a past performance equal to relevance? If you don't have another performance coming up, if you're not going to be able to see those artists live for another year, well, does, does anybody really care? You know, and, and the answer is yes, some do. Yes, some very much care, and they are waiting for us to put out something else so that they can experience the art form that we've presented before, that they can see dance again. 
Um, and so we continue trying to develop ways in which we can be in front of people even if it's from the past. At the same time, we continue to look towards the future and say what are the technologies that are in place that we could incorporate into some innovative approach to maintaining presence, increasing relevance. And do we fear that we will, if we don't do this, that we may lose our fans and the loyalty there? I don't think that's the bigger concern. I think the bigger concern is you have a community, and in Eugene, a community that is so um, heavily focused on arts and the outdoors that, that find culture as such an important part of their life. Well, we as an arts organization have an obligation to continue to try and do that for our artists, for our patrons, and for our students, and our community as a whole. I think there's, there's a bigger picture than just trying to maintain your donors or maintain your ticket holders. Uh, we, have, we have had some very loyal donors step up in this time. Um, the parents of our academy have stepped up in this time and, and helped us transition to where we can take studio-based classes and create them in an online experience for students who can't come in. Mm -hmm. um, and as we developed those processes, parents were willing to help support that shift for us. And we couldn't be more grateful, and we would be in a completely different position had they not been so supportive. Wow. Now we have, we've been able to bring students back into the studios in limited numbers. And although we can't reach them all in a physical space, with this development of online practices is allowing us to reach them in an online space and to continue increasing those platforms. So now, how do we use that idea to start getting a company presence, a professional presence out there? And again, you know, we, we do survey, we do talk to people, we do ask, is it worth it for you to see performances live but through the screen? And the answers are always yes, both. Yes, I'd like to see them there, or no, I'll wait and I'll watch them live. You know, it goes both ways. It just depends on who you're talking. And so with such a broad scope, with a community so focused on the arts, uh, us finding a way to present dance uh, to this community is still a very important part of our mission. Yeah, I feel like we're really fortunate to be in a community like Eugene. Um, because it is so unique that a, a city of this size can sustain as many arts organizations as it has. Because uh, there, there are two ballet companies, there are multiple theater groups and organizations, and like one of the most incredible theaters on the West Coast for performing arts. Right. Um, what have you found during your time in Eugene over the past you know, 30 plus years um, that, like, makes that, like what is so special about Eugene that it is able to support all of these organizations? Well, I think it's, I think it comes back to, you know, the focus of this community. Uh, Eugene in its position on the West Coast makes it a nice stopping off point between San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the uh, catalysts for creating the Holt Center in the early 80s is because people saw this as a destination. You know, eight hours, as you guys know, touring, uh, <laughs> you know, you got long distances between cities on the West Coast. And so 
you know, a, a travel day is, you know, you can put eight hours in mm -hmm. and still have it hit the next major city. And so, <laughs> so Eugene is primarily placed to be able to capture some of that transitional traffic between Sacramento, San Francisco, Portland, mm -hmm. Seattle. And so there's that. It's just where we are. The idea that we are <clears throat> completely accessible uh, where we are, you know, with a, a good airport that comes in here, uh, we're right on a major inter the West Coast I-5 corridor. Uh, our proximity to the coast, uh, being an hour and 15 minutes from here, and you're standing on the beach, is mm -hmm. not a bad deal. But we're not on the beach, so it keeps us somewhat distant from it as well. And so we've got enough going on here that it makes people want to be here, which increases the amount of people that want culture. Mm -hmm. And this community sees a cultural investment in the community so they they understand that the greater the culture the greater the community as a whole and yes we have all of the outdoors we've got the mountains there and the rivers here and the, and the coast over here but it's not the major portland seattle buzz it doesn't have that kind of climate we're able to create a professional level arts feel in this town with the people that we can bring into this town. And those that are moving here to get out of the San Franciscos and out of the Portlands understand that the, it's not just the climate, which is incredible here, uh, <laughs> and, and the coast and the mountains and all that. The outdoor aspect of it draws people in, but once they get here, they recognize that the, the cultural aspects of this community, the, the Oregon Bach Festival brings people in from throughout the world. The Eugene Symphony brings people in from throughout the Northwest. Uh, Eugene Ballet, being here for 42 years now, has created uh, a history of putting on great art. And really, when it comes down to culture, it's and, and people's interest in it is that level of art that you're putting out there. And what we present, uh, what Eugene Ballet puts on stage, is some of the best art that you're going to get on the West Coast. You know, it's just incredible. Eugene Symphony puts on incredible works, the Bach Festival, these you know, world-renowned works. And so it's, you have this community that's doing things. And then you have all of these other organizations that support that great art and that also bring in. So the Shedd Institute's always bringing in great art. McDonald's bringing in great art. I mean, it's, you have these cultural icons in this town that drive a community to say, Arts are, arts are important, so much so that, you know, uh, the arts industry in this community alone brings in, brought in over $62 million in 2015, and that's wow. employing 2,400 people. So that's just wow. the arts community, that's not tourism, I mean, that's just yeah. driving the money yeah. into this town. It's, it's a big deal. It's an economic driver in here. And so to have a community full of cultural investors mm -hmm. is a big deal. And when I talk about the longevity of those organizations, all of those organizations feed into that. So for Eugene Ballet, over 20 years, our organization has reinvested over $28 million into this community just by the stuff we do. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's paying for sets and costumes and building them here in town. Mm -hmm. That's putting the dancers and employing them and having them reinvest in groceries and bills and utilities, all of that staying here in town. So it, it is a, a tremendous economic driver that pushes cultural investment. And uh, that's really what's the nuts and bolts of Eugene. Uh, it's wow. great to be here. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible to hear. Um, so moving 
forward, I guess, uh, and talking about staying local, we are moving. We are moving. Pretty soon, actually. It's coming up quickly. December. If everything goes as well, it, we should be moving moving mm-hmm. things in December. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a short move distance-wise, but it feels like a huge move, just <laughs> driving down the street and seeing that towering new building from every, every angle. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on the process of like planning for this new building and how long has this been in the works? Well, we have been in our current facility for 13 years. Right. When we moved into the current facility in 13 years, we knew instantly it was too small for us. Uh, if you guys have met the beams downstairs, you know why. Uh, the ceilings aren't high enough for a professional company. The walls are too close. Uh, all of those things. We knew that this was a first home mm-hmm. and that eventually we were going to need to find a way to expand to increase our capacity, uh, both for the academy and increase our ability to uh, for potential projects, you know, to be able to do something larger than what we were doing now. So uh, we have had several attempts at creating a new space, and um, some of them were great in design but wouldn't work economically. Some were great economically but weren't so good in design. And so what we were able to do now about five years ago, uh, it was start this process of developing a space two blocks away in partnership with, uh, with a friend of the ballet who was also looking to invest in space downtown and create a project. So what's ultimately come out of this is a collaborative effort to create the Midtown Arts Center in a new light, expand what we currently do here, and integrate that into a architecturally unique situation where you have an arts center as the basis for a residential condominium project. So the Midtown Arts Center will move two blocks away. We'll go from three studios where we are now to seven studios in the new space. Uh, We currently have administrative offices for seven arts organizations in the new space. We have capacity for 10 arts organizations to work within the Midtown Arts Center. All of those arts organizations will have access to the rehearsal and program development spaces that are upstairs, the seven studios, and be able to create the programming that serves the community. The uh, impact is tremendous on all of these organizations. We currently have, or did in March, we had 306 students in our academy and we were busting at the seams in order to have that many students. The new facility across the street is designed to accommodate over 500 students. Wow. Uh, so it, 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 it also separates the academy studios from the professional rehearsal mm-hmm. halls, allowing for that academy now to be open starting early in the morning. So we can start doing small kids classes who aren't in school. We can start uh, hosting Pilates classes or creating uh, adult classes that, that could happen during the day. At the whole, that same time, we still have plenty of room in the rehearsal halls upstairs to be able to rehearse the company uh, during the evenings. And then when the academy needs to expand later, where they can have access to those three studios upstairs. So that the impact on us is huge to be able to custom design and create from the ground up a studio space designed to accommodate dance, to uh, be acoustically ready to have an orchestra rehearse in it 
or a hundred voice choir so that not only is Eugene Ballet going to benefit from this space, but the arts community in this town will all have access. Typically, nobody builds a rehearsal hall, a specific <laughs> rehearsal hall. This is one of the only ones that is being designed from the ground up to only be rehearsal. There's no performance space in this at all. It is just designed to rehearse things that go on in the community, but specifically, two of the rehearsal halls have been made to mimic the two main performance halls at the Holt Center, mm -hmm. so that there are now rehearsal halls designed specifically for rehearsing shows at the Holt Center. Wow. And, and that in itself is unique. Uh, yeah. the, the entire project is so unique that um, uh, in such a creative endeavor, it's gone through many redesigns, but uh, construction has not been slowed down uh, significantly through the pandemic. In fact, we're on schedule. Uh, should be moving in in December and be wow. able to start rehearsals and classes in January. Wow, so, that's, that's so incredible. exciting. <laughs> one, one final nutcracker in the old, yeah. the old Midtown arts before the yeah, new one. Too. That's right. Yeah. Wow, I mean, it, it sounds as if, I mean, to use a, a metaphor of some kind, you have a tailored suit that is, it fits perfectly on this ballet company, is what this new building is, but then also leaves room to collaborate and welcome more groups and more communities in. I mean, that's what you were describing is the heart, heartbeat of Eugene, and yeah. we are embodying that with this new building. That's well, the, incredible. the concept that Riley and Tony had about the Midtown Arts Center some 13, 14 years ago was the idea that if you can get the arts groups to all share a space, they're going to bump into each other. And they're going to talk through ideas. And from those ideas come collaborative energies. And it's those collaborative energies in this community that really spawn tremendously great works. Uh, we, we have done Walpurgisnacht with Eugene Concert Choir. We have uh, done uh, performances with Chamber Music Amici that's in here. Um, Insta Ballet and Orchestra Next are both programs that spawned out of the Midtown Arts Center and are now becoming resident companies of their own and moving into the Midtown Arts Center as standalone companies. These ideas that the collaborations that we do can bring more art into the community, that can increase access to the arts. That's, that's been the, the motto the whole time, is how do we get to people talking? When arts groups are spread out all over the city and their offices are all over the place, it's very rare that they come together with ideas. But when they're all sharing the same copy machine, <laughs> and I'll wait for the copy machine or the fax machine to happen. Mm -hmm. Conversations come up and, and ideas generate and maybe multiple years down the road, that idea becomes a fully staged production. And, uh, and through that, this art center has bloomed and the companies that live within it have all grown in personnel over the years. Uh, their programming, their outreach, what they're able to do within the community has grown. And in large part of that, it's because they've had a home base that they haven't had to worry about, am I gonna have to move out in the two years? Am I gonna, is the developer gonna see this as a tech lab instead of a, an arts company? And, and then they have to go out and find a space. So for 13 years, we have had the same arts groups in here for almost that entire time. Uh, some of them have outgrown. They've started as a startup, they've gone to two offices, and then They've expanded and said, oh, we're going to take on our own ticketing, and they've moved out so that they can do their own ticketing in another place to be more accessible to different people. Um, and that's a, that's a success story. Yeah. 
Canada. Uh, and now we have two offices that we can now have two new startups right. come in off of, you know, off their dining room table and now they have an office space and they can develop their art. Yeah, that's and awesome. Them. To be an incubator for the arts in Eugene. It's, it is truly set up to be an arts incubator. It's a great way to describe it. Wow. I never knew that about the, I mean, I, I've been here for three years, but rarely do we come up to this floor. We are on the second floor now, <laughs> recording in one of those office spaces. That's right. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I always knew there were other arts organizations. I had no idea the process uh, that it had gone through. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, to hear. and the intent from the beginning yeah. to yeah. put all that, all of these people in the same place. That's amazing. And it, it really goes to show, I mean, everything is a collaboration yeah. and the history of the arts, at least in Eugene, they are collaborations and I guess built off of those collaborations with the arts organizations yeah. that are here. So that's incredible to hear. Yeah. yeah. What wow. a vision. And that it's like continuing into the new building is just awesome. Yeah, it's, the next it's expanding, uh, and the nice thing about it is, as you say, uh, a tailored suit with room to grow, and mm -hmm. so there are still some fabric to let out if we if we need to. Uh, we've created space in there that we can expand into should that uh, benefit us in the, in the years to come, but it will, uh, Tony likes to call it our forever home, is yes. that she's finally custom designed something that, wow. that uh, will not only take care of everything the ballet needs, but is designed in such a way that it will support, you know, the the, the companies that support Lane County and the organizations whose outreach programming goes out to the Southern Willamette Valley. All of that is is going to be developed right here in the Midtown Arts Center. Wow. wow, wow, that's an honor to share these buildings, or to share this building with everyone. I mean. Yeah, incredible awesome. honor. Um, I did want to ask because it is important to get to. Um, how can people engage with us? How can our community um, engage and support us during these times where we may seem um, keyword is seem inactive or seem absent? Uh, the easiest answer to that is you know we we are a nonprofit arts organization. And we depend, we rely heavily on contributions. We are unique in the fact that because of our diverse income things, whether that's touring or the academy, uh, we have one of the highest earned percentages of any of the arts organizations in town. So in 19, when we ended, 70% uh, of our income was earned. So that's through ticket sales, that's through academy tuition, that's through the rental of our sets, the rent we receive here at the Midtown Arts Center. Um, because of the current pandemic, that 70% uh, has gone away. We're not selling tickets, we're not renting productions, we're not touring. Uh, we do have some tuition coming in. We're about at half, 50% of our tuition right now. Uh, we just can't accommodate all the students in here. So where that puts us in is a position where we are all the more reliant on the support of the individuals and the businesses of the community. Uh, we have seen uh, continued support from those that have been loyal to us for years, but the, where we could truly use the support are those that have, over the years, purchased tickets and, and contributed to us in that way by buying a ticket. Um, finding a way to turn that into a sponsorship or uh, a contribution to the Midtown Arts Center. Uh, you know, there are ways where we're moving forward. Um, I met with a donor yesterday who said it was impressive that the ballet continues to move the Midtown Arts for Midtown Arts Center forward as 
the potential of what we're going to be able to do when this pandemic is over. Not focusing on the cancellation of the shows, not focusing on the cutbacks in the academy, but focusing more on this build-out, this, this capacity and asset that they were putting into the organization with this building, so that when the time is right and when we can do it, we are going to be in a better place to respond now and into the future. And investing in that project made a sense then to that person. They said, no, this, this is an investment in the cultural uh, health of the entire town, as well as the ballet, uh, at this time when so many of them are trying to figure out, how do we do our next show? Well, the ballet's trying to figure out, how are we gonna do a show 20 years from now? Right. You know, and how do we make sure that we have a place to be able to do that and get these kids in here and teach them so that they're ready to go out and be performers 20 years from now, or whatever they want to be 20 years from now. So it's just a different way of looking at it. So the, the, the easiest answer is, you know, change the way you've supported the arts and don't stop spending it. Just turn it into a contribution instead of a ticket. And know that what you're doing is you are establishing a, a, a catalyst and a stability so that when everybody's ready that art is going to come back on stage wow. the curtain will rise again yes it will indeed it will wow i couldn't have said that better myself <laughs> yeah um yeah i think it's it's really cool all those contributions are going to help on the macro level down the line but also specific to the building on the micro level like once we're in this new space we'll be able to work in smaller groups than we could in our current space be able to have more classes and get the school back up and running at a higher capacity and then we'll all be back in the studios and working together again. Yes, that is the plan. Yeah. Awesome. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day. I know yeah. you're really busy. So thank you for taking the time out to sit down with us and talk with us. And I know I learned a lot. So thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, well, thank I you. I appreciate the invitation and for all that you guys are doing to uh, get the word out about what happening here in Eugene, what's happening with Eugene Ballet. And, uh, and uh, I can't wait to see you guys both back on the stage. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of our podcast, Eugene Ballet at the Bar. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends and family. We're always looking for new ideas and topics to discuss and share with you. If you would like to send us some of your suggestions, you can do so by writing an email to podcast at eugeneballet.org. We are so grateful for your continued support of our organization. If you would like to make a donation to support the ballet, you can do so by visiting eugeneballet.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.